An Autumn Afternoon, directed by Yasujiro Ozu in 1962. Uh, it was the final film by the uh, well-known Japanese director, and it uh, tells the story of a uh, family in Japan, primarily the, the father of the family, who is a widower, uh, but still working, and has um, a, a, a mostly grown uh, uh, daughter who is like 24 and, and unmarried, and kind of tells the story of, of his evolving ideas about whether or not uh, he wants her taking care of him at home, or or he should you know sort of allow her to to marry off in the in the style of the times, and it's it's a, a you know a slow paced family drama as is basically all of Ozu's work, um, and it's a it's a beautiful film. So my guest this month is uh, Krista Mergen. Hello, Krista. Hi, great to be here. Yeah, thank you so much for for joining me. So uh, as I recall, you asked for a film from anywhere uh, released in the years of like I think it was like 1960 to 1975, something like that. Yes. Okay, and so that was a very broad category. <laughs> wasn't So I just kind of put together a list of films that I was sort of interested in watching that I hadn't seen that I kind of had wanted to see, and you chose uh, this one. So I guess I'll start with asking you the, the obvious question. Uh, did you like it? I enjoyed it on a number of levels, um, and it was also very frustrating and upsetting. Um, yeah, no, let's. we should just kind of maybe just jump in on that. So... I, I'm assuming that that well. Why, what was frustrating for you? The patriarchy. Um, yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. So going into this, and I I like to jump into a film knowing pretty much as little as possible about it. Like mm-hmm. I I really enjoy that. Um, but I did read you know the synopsis, um, and I saw that it was from you know Ozu, um, who's none of whose work I had seen, but um, who I was you know familiar with as a director. Um, but I hadn't seen anything by him. Um, I knew that it was. Um, you know, 1962, it was about, you know, a traditional Japanese family. And I was just, you know, I was expecting like, okay, this is a different culture. It's a different time. This is going to be, you know, this is this is going to be very different sensibilities and, and values um, reflected here. And then watching it, I was just, there were just so many points where I was like, oh, so angry. Um, I think culminating in, in at sort of um, near the end of the film, when he... Um, he states directly, like, oh, sons are the best. Um, there's really barely any point in, in raising a daughter, you know, because she she just leaves. Um, meanwhile, you know, has he's been treating his daughter like a maid this entire time, and, like, yeah. this entire film has been about his coming to terms with his daughter not being there to act as his maid anymore in his house for himself and his, his grown son. Um, yeah. And so that was very frustrating. Um, but beyond that, <laughs> there were so many things I loved about the film. So. Yeah. Yeah, it's, I mean, so, yeah, definitely in my notes, I have a lot of notes of, about the sort of uh, lack of agency for, for women in this period of Japan, for sure. Um, marriage is kind of their, seen as their sole worth, right? It's a seen almost as a financial situation, love only kind of entering into it and, and whatnot. But I, I am curious because, like, I, so... I, 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 I'm just interested in your kind of perspective on this. So the, the, that scene you mentioned, kind of late in the film, yes. where the where the father says that, I took it. Uh, certainly, I took it. Uh, you know, he uh, definitely was not stoked on not having free labor anymore. You know, his maid and everything <laughs> like that, and that's certainly messed up. But I also sort of saw it as him being kind of disingenuous in the fact that he was just really sad that he was going to be kind of 
alone. Like it was, there was a lot of talk about sort of the loneliness, kind of like if you remove the, which is hard to do for sure, but if you remove <laughs> the kind of uh, housekeeping aspect of it, there's certainly like an empty nest kind of thing going on here, right? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And um, and he obviously really loves his daughter. Um, yeah. And in this context, like he is doing a really selfless thing by saying, you know, no, don't waste your life taking care of your aging widowed father. You know, go out and live your own life and get married and um, all of that. And so, you know, it is, he is doing a, this sort of selflessly. Um, and it is, you know, like when you step back and, and sort of look at it in context, um, you know, it is, it is, he does care for her and he is, um, it is about him coming to terms with the end of his life, you know, and he isn't there yet. And I think that's, you know, a big reason why it's called an autumn afternoon, not a winter afternoon or something else. But, um, you know, it's, there's, the film deals a lot with, with just sort of aging, coming to terms with your children growing up and living their own lives and, you know, trying to help them. Um, but, but really having to, to take a step back and, and let them go and be their, their own people and the difficulties. Yeah. And I thought they did, the film did a good job of sort of making that point using the so one of the plots in the film is that the is that the main character runs into an old uh, teacher of his from like grade school which is pretty funny and then sort of starts hanging out with the teacher and the teacher is similarly much older but but widowed and has a older daughter who he has not allowed to live her own life in this period where your dad basically decided that for you um and and the daughter is like miserable Right, yes. and the dad's miserable, and everyone's kind of miserable, and it, it it's kind of presented as like a counterpoint of like, okay, um, you know, you really you are you should be selfless is like a weird thing because again he's he's, <laughs> he's like marrying her off to a guy that he found, right, right. Like, right. Oh, but he does try, yeah, and he he tries to um, he says you know to to one of his other grown sons who is already married and not in the house, um, you know, he says something like, well, you know, it's best if she she likes the man, so we should ask her if she has any preference um, for anyone, you know, <laughs> which is you know really magnanimous. Um, wow. Yeah. <laughs> I think, okay, so I think my notes are mostly just like, fuck the patriarchy. Um, no, they're really not. Uh, it's, well, it's very fair if they are. Stuff. It's no, totally fair if they are. But there's so much, um, there's some really great stuff here. So I really loved, um, he calls his teacher the gourd. He's referred yeah. constantly to, the, to him as the gourd. And there are all of these lovely parallels with him, um, you know, with the father, you know, coming mm-hmm. home late. Um, having, you know, drunk too much and his daughter, um, Michiko kind of scolding him a little bit like, oh, you know, you had a little too much to drink. And then he, he takes, um, he escorts the gourd back home and there's his, you know, middle-aged wife, or sorry, not wife, daughter. Um, (laughs) that's Freudian. So there's, you know, like there she is, um, you know, saying the same thing, except it's so much more extreme because the gourd, you know, has serious, you know, substance abuse issues and she's just miserable and um it's terrible it's very much this ebenezer scrooge ghost of christmas future sort of moment you know like this will be you Hmm. um and then there's a a sort of ghost of christmas past moment too i mean i don't i don't think this was intentional just sort of like for some reason that popped in my into my mind um but uh yeah, I, one thing that bothered me um though that i felt was completely unnecessary was um so the father has conversations um, with his two friends, you know, repeatedly. And, and over time, um, they sort of bring up this idea that he should marry off his daughter, you know, and, and sort of let her go. Um, and he, in the, the whole movie, there's not a whole lot of, like, you know, plot beyond him sort of coming to terms with this idea that, that you know, he really should let her go. Um, 
But、uh, at one point, like, they, they bring up, like, oh, you don't want to end up like the gourd. And I was like, come on, you don't have to spell it out. Like, we saw that. <laughs> like, it was so telegraphed. And then, like, there, there's an entire scene that's sort of dedicated to, to saying this exact thing that we've already, you know, that we've already, you know, come to, to the, we've already reached that conclusion, like, three scenes ago. And so、yeah. that was, that was, like, the one, that was the one, like, main annoyance just with, with sort of the, The writing, I guess, that I, that I had. I mean, outside of, of all of the、um, you know, cultural stuff, which, you know, like I was, I was, I was trying to keep、um, that perspective in mind, you know? Yeah, I mean, that's,、uh, there's sort of,、uh, wow, okay.、Uh, there's sort of two things there. Like, for, one thing is, yeah, because it's, it's otherwise, I think, a very subtle. And deliberate film, and then,、mm-hmm. you know, with some of the stuff like the, the when he runs into his、um, old, old crew member on the ship, and yeah, like with the music and、I、all that kind of that. stuff. Yeah, The woman who looks like his former wife, maybe. And, yeah, you kind know, of. There's a lot、He's、of just, like、yeah. little touches like that that are very subtle, but that's definitely a very over the top kind of frying pan to the head thing. And I don't <laughs>、exactly. know if it was for the audience or for the character or, or why sort of that happened, but I would agree with you. But th- to the larger point, you know. I think we should just talk about it before we maybe move on to talk about some of the other things. And it's going to keep coming up for sure. But there, it's sort of the challenge of watching films from the past、uh, if you are,、uh, as both of us are,、uh, not uh, members of what would be considered like the dominant、uh, you know, social class, you know, whatever class of the. Film. Yes, so, sure. Uh, you know, uh, you obviously are a woman and I am a,、um, a Middle Eastern man. So neither of us are in our own societies. You know, we're both,、uh, yeah, well, women are not a minority, but you, you know what I mean. Like,、uh, yeah, not a privileged is, class. Not a privileged class. So、yeah. in some ways, not a privileged class. Right. right? So、yeah. watching movies from the past, because I often think about, you know,、uh, I hear people tell me all the time,、uh, oh man, I w- wouldn't it be so great to live in insert decade here? And I'm like, No. no. Like, like, the style is cool. Like, you know what I mean? Like, there's things I like are cool, but you basically always have to be、uh, a straight, white, rich person, primarily male,、mm-hmm. in order to not have horrible disadvantages that are much, much worse even than the disadvantages that we have now. Oh, totally. Like, yeah, if, if, there, if there were a time machine, I wouldn't go, you know, back to the Middle Ages, even though I'm very interested in that time period. But I would, you know, I'm being a woman, I'm like, I will go to the future. Thank you. Right. <laughs> Viewing only mode, right? If you're going to go to the past. And even right, then, right, it's、yeah. like, I don't even know if I really want to see all of that. Plus, it's just so dirty. It would smell bad. But,、oh, um, yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> but so, you know, I watch a lot of old movies, right? And so that's constantly something that I'm struggling with.、Yes. And I will tell you just from my own perspective, and I'm sure it has something to do with my own, you know,、uh, Probably easier for me to watch this film, maybe, than, than you on that level. But I, it, dep- it really depends on the film for me when I, when I kind of can't get past that uh, uh, in order to enjoy the film and when I, when I can. Like, I, I think I, I reviewed a, an old、um, Cary, not Cary Grant,、uh, Clark Gable film called、uh, It Happened One Night months and months ago that people love. And I just was so misogynistic and abusive. And like, I just couldn't, <laughs> you know, it's, a, it's, a, it's definitely a, a struggle. When, you know, because you want to watch it for the brilliance and the historical aspects and whatever reason you're watching the film. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And, and I know, I,、um, I feel like I, I generally can, can get past things.、Um, I, I feel like this one is just so steeped in it, and it is、mm. a sort of more extreme version of it than, like, you know, US culture in 1962, say.、Um, and, you know, I knew that going into it, but even so, it's very hard to be like, Let that pass, but well, it's a central element of the story, yeah. Right, <laughs> like,、so、it's, it's really hard to、yeah. walk away、yeah. from that. Well, and、sure. it was interesting because it's kind of, um, 
it's kind of cool in that it's like an anti-rom-com because it is all about this woman getting together with this man. Um, but she's very peripheral as a character. You never see the relationship. It jumps straight from, you know, oh, they're going to meet to the wedding day, you know. Um, yeah. He never shows up at all, right? Yeah. Oh, no, no, you never see him. Um, and so, so yeah, it's not, not at all about this relationship. It's, it's about, um, you know, the, the father character's internal struggles with, you know, aging and, um, and yeah, empty nest syndrome, like you said. So, um, so, and I mean, I thought that, I thought that was really interesting about it. I like that. Yeah. Uh, it's also, um, it's a beautiful film. It is beautiful. It's so still. Yeah. so So I had never seen anything by Ozu. Um, I, you know, I guess primarily I knew about Tokyo story. Um, I loved, and I was, I was really surprised to notice, um, there are no close-ups. Everything is either a long shot or like a medium shot and everything is framed, um, this very like square composition, very low to the ground as if you were like seated on a cushion, you know, it's sort of like the camera is aimed at the person's like chest, you know, and they're just, it's, it's a very different sort of framing and composition. And to, to sort of like show you the space, it's like looking down a hallway or like looking down an alley and then a car pulls in and it's sort of like the only movement is ever like from people moving or, you know, occasional things like the, the smoke from the smokestacks or like the barber pole spinning um, and so it was like, it's very still and sort of calm and, um, and it just sort of like unfolds as he, um, has these conversations over and over with different people and comes to this realization. I yeah. Like, the, I liked that. the camera never moves, right? No, like, I never, never moved the camera. Moved, no, it's just like static shot. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought it, it what, so this is actually my first Ozu film as well. Uh, and someone I've a director I've been hearing about for a long time really wanted to watch mm. films from, but the first one I saw it. It's funny because it's his last film, right? But um, it's it's the style that, and he didn't have it apparently very early in his career. But but when he sort of rose to prominence is when he kind of developed it, and it's it is distinctively his. Like I don't know if I've ever seen any film that looked quite like these films before or since. And one thing that I thought it did really well, besides, I thought, well, so, so I, I do like the low aspect of the camera. I thought that was really interesting. And it, it definitely gave you a, a different, it's like, you're right, there were no close-ups, but you didn't feel super removed. I felt yeah, yeah. it was intimate in a different way because mm-hmm. you were low. You kind of weren't looking down on anyone at any time. Right. But the other thing I thought was really uh, interesting was, and you kind of alluded to it, in that uh, he did a lot of like long, slow setup shots mm-hmm. of like locations or like like a lot of shots of the the hallway leading to the door of their house with no, with nothing happening and then yes. eventually the door would move and it's like way later than you would <laughs> yes. expect yeah, it yeah, to yeah. be yeah no, I um, yeah or like like uh almost like manga style like sh- shots of like the the scene so you know maybe three or four shots of the area like he always show, set up that that bar where where the dad would go to 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 uh, meet that woman who looked like his ex wife, uh, like always set up that neighborhood really well, mm-hmm. and so you kind of got a, you just had a I, I don't know, I found a really strong sense of place, and I started to because it's not that many places that they show in the like his office and the restaurant they always go to and the house and you know there aren't that many sets right right yeah and and it was and you did feel really connected to the place um, and the compositions were all really lovely and um and i loved yeah like the 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 shots of just sort of like a chair sitting empty you know um or like the mirror on on the wedding day that's just you know standing empty in the the empty room and then um yeah it it was yeah it was really nice and um 
<laughs> Definitely. It was really nice. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it was really nice, right? Yeah, it's like, yeah, it was. That's it's just a very pretty film, and it's, mm-hmm. you know, it's, 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 it's a little. I mean, it's not super long. It's like two hours, but that's you know. I, I uh, your husband and I both agree that ninety minutes is like the perfect length for a movie. I don't know where you fall on that uh, um, spectrum. I can. I feel like I have a a good tolerance. I, I didn't feel like this movie was too long. I I feel like I can tolerate a very like really like two and a half hour long movie as long as it's keeping my attention and it doesn't mm. sort of um, veer off in ways that I oppose. Sort right, of, but, um, <laughs> yeah, sort definitely. of like Interstellar. I was like, uh, <laughs> by the end of that, there was a slog. Um, but but yeah. nothing in this film, other than the delib- the over deliberateness of the of the message, nothing felt right. really out of place, right? No, it really didn't. And it, um, I felt like it was also a really glimpse in good, really good glimpse into that culture and that time. Um, and I felt like it was. Um, a really nice perspective to have, even though it was also really infuriating at the same time <laughs> and frustrating. It was also um, well-examined, I suppose, as far as him in terms of being a character, but also being representative of what a typical patriarch would be or sort of an idealized version of a patriarch. Um, and I liked that. And I really, I liked um, his his former... Um, Oh, what do you call someone who's below you in in the armed subordinate. forces? Subordinate from his his subordinate. Um, their whole interaction where oh oh my gosh where they um they meet in the Gord's um noodle shop. He owns a noodle yeah. shop, and they meet there. Um, and you know his subordinate begins to order some ramen, and then notices him and is like, oh, let's get out of here. The food's not good anyway. And it's like <laughs> oh gosh, this is just so hard. Um, you know, I'm sure for for the Gord because um. You know, there's so much, so much importance placed on sort of status, and mm. um, and it was so he was so honored that um, that the man had come to his noodle shop and you know brought a gift and all this. Yeah, stuff. his super successful student I kind know. of visiting him and this yeah. and that. Yeah, yeah, and then this guy's like, oh, let's let's blow this joint. The food sucks. Um, so that was that was funny. Um, but then yeah, just him reminiscing. Um, I loved that the the actor. Um, who played the father is always smiling. He's just so bemused constantly, and he has these lovely little mm, like sounds like mm. he was constantly going like smiling, nodding, and then going mm. and it was um, I don't know, it was just really delightful. Like I really liked him as a as an actor, um, but then as that character as well, uh, I thought he did a great job, and I loved um, even when you know his subordinate says you know why didn't we win the war? He's still like smiling. He's like, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> oh man, you you touch on like so many things that I wanted to talk about. That's awesome. Um, uh, first of all, just as a sort of informational note, the guy who played the dad uh, is in like a ton of Ozu's movies. His name is uh, Chishu Ryu, and he's like a very, very, very famous Japanese actor and and a kind of like Chishu Ryu is amazing. Yeah, he's great, right? Like I thought he was so subtle as the dad, so wonderful. Yes, and I yeah. I keep calling him the dad. He has a name, and I can't remember it now. Shu Shuhei Hirayama. Oh, okay. Uh, but I don't know if anyone ever calls him. I think they probably just call him Hirayama most of the time, right? I think so. Yeah, I think uh, the Gord calls him Hirayama. I don't yeah. think his friends maybe do too. I don't, know. <laughs> I don't know. It seems like they might. Like you know, Michiko gets called Michiko a lot, and mm-hmm. Koichi, and and uh, some of the other characters. But oftentimes, like you know, the Gord, for example, I think his name is actually Seitaro, but mm-hmm. no one ever, no one. I'm mean, not sure anyone ever <laughs> says that ever. Right. But um. But so that was one of the things you mentioned. And the the other. Uh, uh, two things. You just, ah, you were on fire. Um, the 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 second thing is that uh, this I found this to be kind of a secretly pretty funny movie. 
right? Like there's a lot of humor, but it's very dry. Yes. Like there's like the moment when um when the 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 wife of the oldest son uh, finds out that some friends of theirs, I think, was like gonna name their son after his her husband, and she's like, "Oh, what a terrible name! Imagine that poor child ending up like you." Yes, you know, yeah, it's that's just like so good. Very, and she's very like, funny. One of you is enough. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> one Koichi is enough, or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then uh, also um, when when they so they so as you mentioned earlier, the dad says, "Oh, we should find out if the daughter has a if if Machiko has a." Um, an interest in a boy and and she does and they go and ask him and he's like oh i would have totally wanted to marry her but i already have a fiance and then they break the news to the daughter to machiko and she is very stoic about it um and they're like she leaves and the and the dad and the oldest brother are like just buffoony talking about like <laughs> oh she was she was really cool about that that's really that's so great like da, da, da. and then the youngest son comes in and is like why is my sister crying? Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. just... And he's like, oh, I thought she would cry. And then they they both look at each other like, what? 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 <laughs> and it was just, I thought that was very funny. Yeah, I thought that was great. Um, there were a lot of, yeah, there were a lot of um, little humorous moments um, that were that were really good. I, I like the, um, they, they're talking about um, one of their friends who isn't there yet. And they're... Um, the server at the restaurant they always go to comes in and asks if he's coming and um you know he says oh you know we're we're planning the wake you know i, I don't think we should get wreaths that'll be it'll be too much and then you know <laughs> she buys into it they they spin this whole story and have her going for a minute and then you know she realizes she's being she's being fooled um and then again toward toward the end when they they start to talk about this other prospect that um you know the father has uh then his friends um, turn around on him and, and pretend that, oh, he's already taken by uh, some other woman that um, that his friend introduced him, him to. So it's like, oh, he didn't act fast enough. And then, um, but of course, that's all a put on as well. And so that's that's a little bit silly. Oh, also, um, I wasn't, th- so they reference quite frequently um, that one of the three friends um, has taken a young wife. He's also a widower. Um, he's taken a, a young wife. And then they refer to him popping pills like yeah. constantly and chuckle about it. And I didn't, so this is interesting. I didn't know that there were like Viagra-like pills back in the 60s. Like I didn't know that was a thing. Yeah, I didn't um, know that either. Yeah. But also they go on at, about that at length and it's this sort of running thing. And it's just kind of ridiculous to to see these like older men talking about this and 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 also annoying um for for other reasons <laughs> mentioned before um but you know like when you can remove yourself it yeah. um, it becomes funny well and i you know so i do want to say like you know i i completely agree with uh, the points that you made earlier um inside the construct of that it's sort of weirdly a little positive because it's like uh there you know there is that moment where the daughter Machiko is talking to the boy she actually has a crush on and he's like oh uh you know I I you know a, a man should be subservient to his wife right like that's probably a good thing to do you know and, and things like that and it's obviously all inside the same construct of like this is super super like man first women second patriarchy movie but little moments like that I wondered if Ozu was maybe trying to like push that that a little bit like oh hey guys this is kind of dumb I don't know I mean maybe oh, I'm reading yeah. too much into it Totally. And there are there are a lot of moments of, um, you know, Michiko saying, um, you know, like, clean it yourself or or make it yourself or like, you know, you didn't call. So, you know, feed your feed yourself. I'm I'm not going to take care of you. I'm getting up early. And, you know, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it's sort of like it feels like there's a change in that direction beginning there. But it's just so, so early. Yeah, definitely. I mean, as you know, and it's sort of interesting in that cultural way you mentioned but definitely 
if anyone's going to watch this movie, which I would recommend personally because it's beautiful, uh, but you got to really, even if you're oh, prepared for that as maybe you thought you were, it might still be like, holy fuck, like, fuck off <laughs> yeah. um, But the other thing that you mentioned was that there's a scene I thought was really interesting was a scene where the uh, the dad is, is run into his former uh, subordinate, as we said, uh, from his sailing from from when they were in the war together, right, World War Two, and um, and the, the the subordinate says, "Oh well, what if Japan would have would have won the war? You know, American kids would be dancing to Japanese songs, and like you know, um, all these things would be different." And I found that, in, and then the the dad says, "Like, well, I think it's actually for the best that we lost." And I thought that was really interesting for two reasons. Number one, I had never thought of the idea of – first of all, I never thought of the idea of what if Japan had won the war. Like we, we sometimes there's books and things about what if the Nazis would have won their war. But I've never really thought about like Japan winning theirs. And the idea that it might have been a cultural victory, that to the perspective of 60s Japan, mostly what they what happened due to them losing the war was – the overwhelming amount of American culture that came into Japan and that maybe it would have gone the other way and American kids would have been like, they wouldn't have taken over America, but maybe American kids would be, you know, reading manga and like listening to Japanese music and eating, eating sushi, which, you know, obviously we do all yeah. of those things now. All of those things happened. All um, of those things happened much, much later. Right? They exported their culture later on. Right. Yeah. No, totally. Um, no. And I really liked that perspective. And I also really liked um, his answer of like, Oh, you know, it's probably for the best that we didn't win, <laughs> yeah. um, which I thought, yeah. which was very surprising to me, too, because it yeah. was sort of like I was seeing um, this character as sort of a, um, you know, a stand in for the director himself. You know, he's sort of uh -huh. at the end of his life and he's writing this and directing this. And, um, you know, I figured that there are just there's just probably a lot of a lot of him in that character. I mean, I don't know much about about Ozu, I guess, um, personally. But so then it was it was sort of interesting from that perspective to see like, oh, is this, you know, is this how Ozu also feels? And um, and it's just sort of um, surprising to see a Japanese person at that time, like actually say, you know, like it's for the best that we didn't win the war. Like, um, and that was surprising to me. So. Well, yeah, and didn't his subordinate say, oh, yeah, the, the, it got the military people to stop telling us what to do? Oh, yeah. Oh, but you were cool. You were cool about it. Yeah, yeah, but well, <laughs> this is great. I'm glad I'm buying you this drink. You know, and then he yeah. went back to that bar several times but without the subordinate. Yeah. Um, one thing, that, I don't know if you know this about Ozu himself that I learned after watching this was that he uh, never married or anything like that and I think lived with his mother his entire life and she died like three months before he did. Oh. Yeah. Hmm. Kind of. I don't know. I don't know if that changes anything about what I would take from this film, but it is Yeah, yeah. Well, okay. I see. I mean, yeah, this was going into it like just sort of supposing these things and not actually knowing as fact that, um, you know, that that would be how he would feel about things. But yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I mean, he wrote the film. So at some yeah, level, yeah. I suppose he had to, you know, it's like, you know, I think that, that all of his movies are sort of in a similar plot line to this. Like Tokyo Story, of course, is a remake of... Um, of uh, what's that '30s film that's so sad and wonderful? Uh, Make way for tomorrow, which is a, a movie about the. It's a Great Depression film about uh, these these um, uh, old couple whose children don't want to take them when they are forced to foreclose their farm due to the financial collapse and and they have to split up and go to different children's house and the children don't want them and it's very it's on it's heartbreaking it's a mm -hmm. a beautiful film though i i would recommend it this is also kind of a heartbreaking <laughs> film in a weird it way is. right yeah oh yeah. absolutely especially um 
the end where it's just him and he. I mean, are we allowed to? This is oh, yeah. full spoilers. Uh-huh. Yeah, okay. yeah. If you haven't, if, if <laughs> well, you haven't way. seen this movie, you should just go. You shouldn't be listening right now, to be honest with you. <laughs> Unless you don't care. I don't personally care that much about spoilers, especially for yeah. a film like this where it's not really the point. Yeah, yeah, and I, I don't mind them either myself. So, um, so, yeah, but the end where he's just, you know, he is just alone and it's this long shot of him and sort of like you see sort of half of him obscured down the hallway and he is just crying and it's just so sad. Yeah. Um, I mean, but, it, you know, also really poignant and lovely and, you know. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, I would I completely feel the same way. Uh, so is there anything else about this film that you thought was uh, something you wanted to talk about? Uh, overall, I mean, I just, um, I really like it as, as a film, um, you know, putting all of the patriarchy aside, I just really enjoyed it. Oh, 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 there was a, um, a funny bit when, um, the older son who is married, uh, was, oh, the part where he's like winding his clock and the neighbor is like practicing, um, like opera, you know, Mm -hmm. outside that part and she's like beating rugs and it just sort of gives you a sense of like what their lives are like in this, you know, sort of crowded apartment building where they're, they can hear everything that their neighbors are doing and they're very sort of involved in their neighbor's lives. Um, and so you hear this woman practicing opera very loudly. Um, and then she (laughs) sings, uh, Caro Mio Bing, which is a, um, a classic of, of Italian, um, you know, it's what you, what you learn to sing when you're studying Italian, uh, voice method. And it's something I sang in high school and I was like, oh, that's very nice. Well, I see. I had no idea, right? Because I didn't study Italian voice method in high school, which yeah, I know I makes know. me like the only person in the world who didn't. But uh, <laughs> that's super cool. I didn't. I had no idea. Yeah, that's an interesting point too. That 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 uh, there's a nice perspective on like you know the dad you know is kind of wealthy, right? He's been very. The idea in the movie is that he's been very successful. He's like a boss man at this giant japanese company and he has like a very traditional beautiful house with these rice paper doors and it, it, a lot of privacy and it's got multiple floors you know it's it's a very standalone house and then the, son, the oldest son is kind of living barely paycheck to paycheck right and living in like a giant apartment building with his wife and says like oh we we're not having children right now because we couldn't afford it you know and so it's a right. it's an interesting uh and then sort of the the daughter is is you know part of this thing like we've been talking about the whole time of this patriarchal need to marry off your daughter she's oh my god she's 24 she's running out of time you know and <laughs> it's so dumb uh and then the youngest son is like still in school i think yeah uh Seems so it's there, there's a lot of different aspects of he, he crams a lot in of life into like this pretty simple story really right mm-hmm. yeah cool um well i'm glad that you liked it and i know yeah it's definitely a um, I, I don't know if I was also prepared for definitely, like I said, a lot of notes about like, who, you know, the patriarchal aspects of the film. But I'm, I'm glad we both, you know, we saw the, the whatever it was. It was a, an interesting movie to watch for sure. Oh, yeah. Um, so I'm glad you I'm glad you enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, and uh, awesome. So why don't you before we wrap up here, why don't you tell the folks about what you are working on right now? It's very cool. Oh, um, so I am co-founder of a company called Civil Co. And we make our first product is called Civil Comments. And it is um, a new kind of commenting platform that uh, crowdsources moderation. So before anyone can post a comment, they must first uh, rate three other comments for both quality and civility. And then we don't use algorithms to do any language processing because that doesn't actually work. but we we do use algorithms to analyze uh, human behavior. And so people's uh, responses to both of those questions are pooled and analyzed and compared um, with other people's votes, but also their their voting history and lots of other things. And it's very cool. Um, And then based on those decisions, the comments are published or or not or rejected. 
it is awesome. The the places I've seen it used and the beta tests I was a part of, uh, which was awesome, uh, really like turned because like I don't have comments turned on on my site for the same reason as most people, right? They are a cesspool of horrific behavior and spam and whatever else. And this, in the places I've seen it, has just completely changed that into into what comments were intended to be, right? Which is like a, a water cooler for the internet. Right? Yes, right. And so if you run a site uh, like a, anything that. Has a, maybe has comments and they're not working for you or you wish you could have them but you don't, I would really recommend you checking it out because it is super cool. Um, and then where can folks find out more about you and things on the internet? Oh, probably just uh, my Twitter handle is Antichrista. It's like Antichrist with an A at the end. <laughs> right on. Uh, okay, so and then uh, for those of you who don't know, the show can be found at Cinema Gadfly. Uh, on Twitter or at cinemagadfly.com. And uh, we will be back uh, next episode to talk about the film that Krista chose for me. So until then, I will say good night. <laughs>